Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, thanks for joining me today, Dr. Fred, with another episode of Study, Grow, Know. I've got a few links at the top of the uh, transcript, not a whole lot, but just enough to get you going. And uh, one of the things I'd like to ask today is, what does the Lord delight in? And we'll get into that in just a minute. But by way of introduction, remember China threatening to shoot Pelosi's plane out of the sky if she visited Taiwan? Well, she went to Taiwan and China did not shoot. Now, I'm not wishing that they did either. Not saying that. I'm simply saying that something is weird here, considering Pelosi seems to be more of an asset to China then to the USA. And uh, just before she left, Pelosi took a verbal jab at President Xi. Uh, so to me, it looks more and more like theater, as though she's trying to distance herself and prove to the world that she's not under Xi's thumb. Well, is that true? Who knows? I'm also not convinced that the unvaxxed will be vindicated, and I had a link in the transcript about that, simply because there are too many people today who have not yet suffered adverse reactions from the vax, and they see no problem with the vax because of that. Now, I'm not wishing that they suffer adverse reactions, but it's interesting because they routinely deny that the vax causes any issues at all, unless, unless of course, the person is severely immune compromised. And then, of course, it's their own fault. So they don't have any problem with the vax at all. They really don't. It's on the individual who is suffering from it, not them or the vax. Well, frankly, I think if the total truth really came out, it wouldn't convince most people of anything. As it stands right now, there's 10%, 22 million people, 10% regret taking the vax out of everyone who took it. That's a sad stat. Now, along those lines, I'm amazed at how many things the MSM, mainstream media, is now telling us can cause heart attacks, strokes, myocarditis, pericarditis, all kinds of conditions that have become all known since the jab rollout. If it's not climate change, it's something in the soil or cold showers, or now they're telling us it's our pee. Um, sadly, there are folks who believe everything the MSM tells them. Now, if you can handle it, I've got a link to a video which highlights many people who have experienced adverse reactions post-jab and that's still ongoing. I mean, some of these people, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, the seizures they are constantly dealing with, the headaches that won't go away, the bleeding from the nose. I mean, it's just incredible. The pain, the numbness, it's just unbelievable to me. It's so sad, yet it is being ignored by the medical community because they routinely find nothing and therefore can't treat anything. Now, imagine being normal one day, then an invalid the next. And I wonder, I have to wonder how the mRNA manages to create situations in folks that destroy their health while remaining hidden in blood tests, MRIs, and other scans. I really wish I could write an article stating that the veil of lies is lifting, that people are coming around to the truth, and that politicians are now doing the right thing. 
Instead, as predicted, at least some blue states are now headed toward lockdowns, mask mandates, and a huge push for the latest jab in an effort to curtail and minimize what is being called the latest threat to humanity, monkeypox. Several state governors have recently declared health emergencies for their states in spite of the fact that there are few or zero incidents of actual monkeypox cases there. And what we're learning, of course, is that monkeypox is primarily the result of gay men having sexual relations. You would think that these blue states would ban forms of gay parties and celebrations because out of those tend to come monkeypox because gay men are having sex with other gay men and that's how it's passed. So some people are asking the question, is monkeypox mainly an STD? I don't know. There seems to be so little logic happening these days. Well, this is all happening really in preparation for the midterm elections, which are, by the way, happening now. And when Democrats' seats are on the line, if lockdowns can occur, people will have to mail in their ballots. They're doing that anyway, and the potential for voter fraud will increase dramatically. And I find it absolutely fascinating that Democrats constantly yell about how, quote unquote, racist it is to force people to have and show a voter ID when they vote at the polls. Apparently, these same Democrats don't realize that whenever visiting a doctor, photo ID and proof of insurance are required. We are yet again experiencing major voting problems in places like Arizona overnight, with polling places running out of just running out of GOP ballots, ballots, excuse me, not Dem ballots, GOP ballots. They're mail-in ballots with no signatures that are being received and counted and all the rest. I hope the candidates there fight, fight, fight in the courts to have things properly done. But anyone questioning voter fraud is either a racist, a conspiracy theorist, or both these days. It's all done in an attempt to silence anyone who has questions or concerns. And the simple fact of the matter is that as people deliberately drift further and further from God, they will embrace everything but the truth. They will seek to gain knowledge and understanding from everything that is opposed to God, which of course will result in believing lies. So that's just simply the way things will go for these people. I mean, this alone proves that they are reprobate. Romans 1. We can and should expect nothing less, though this is difficult for us, and in fact maddening at times, isn't it? I mean, we're looking at these people and we think, this is insanity. How is this normal? Well, it's not normal, but it's the result of constantly pushing away from God or pushing God away. Interestingly, I attended a mandatory work meeting yesterday where we had a keynote speaker, and as I looked around the auditorium, I noticed one person wearing a mask around her chin while she was talking animatedly with several other people. And when the meeting began, she had the mask pulled up across her mouth and nose, and that's where it sat for the duration of the several hours in length meeting. She was the only one that I noticed. And this is in spite of the fact, by the way, that they've done now five studies that prove masks are worthless. But there you have it. But the highlight of the two and a half hour meeting was the keynote speaker who claims to be a magician, actor, speaker, and mind reader. 
So for close to two hours, we were borne along by his storytelling, his brief bits of magic, and a good deal of motivational snippets pushing us to be the best we could possibly be. And by learning the art of humility so that others could prosper as well, even if and when we don't. In fact, did you know by helping others prosper, we prosper or something? I can only wonder how much he was paid to quote unquote motivate us. He prospers, obviously, and amazingly from a financial basis. His clients are astounding, including Pfizer, many other corporations. I can't imagine how much my employer paid to have this individual come and literally entertain us for about an hour and a half to two hours. I'm totally amazed at how easily people are manipulated. Bring in a guy who struts around the stage with energy, tells some tear-jerking stories about when he was a youth, wows the audience with two-bit magic, and mentions the celebrities he's known and worked with, and most of the people in the audience were eating out of his hand. Everyone left the conference, oh, happy, buoyed up, and ready to go, but... All that the keynote speaker stated will be forgotten before the end of the day for most people, I'm sure. Now, believe it or not, I'm not deliberately trying to be negative here, though it probably sounds like that. While I tend to look at life as, as if the glass is half empty instead of half full, I'm trying to refocus my attention on how God is moving in society, not what people are doing. In reality, I try to do the same things with God and His Word. I read it every day. I try to commit to portions of it to memory, providing the Holy Spirit with his word that I've hidden in my heart, making it hopefully a bit easier for him to guide and mature me. Yet there are many times throughout the day when I feel, there's that ugly word again, as though I've lost contact with him, my creator, my savior, and my God. And I know that's not true, but that's how I feel. Sometimes things and circumstances Take me away from what's most important, and I absolutely hate that. Now, I'm not sure when the portions of his word that I've committed to memory will have some noticeably consistent impact on my life in a good way, but it's rare when I see it, although I do see it. I read his word and I marvel, but it isn't too long before I get sidetracked by life, and soon I'm not thinking about his word or him. So really, if it's easy to forget the truth of God's eternal word, how much easier is it to forget some guy spouting Buddhist motivational wordplay for an hour or so? God is amazing, astounding in fact, and his word is so nuanced, which is why it should be read deliberately, not casually. Consider these verses from Psalm 147, 10 to 11. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Now, the psalmist tells us that God doesn't delight or take pleasure in the strength of the horse or the legs of a man. Why wouldn't God take pleasure in those things? Well, for the simple reason that he created them. It is God who gave the horse his uniquely beautiful appearance and tremendous strength. Why would God take delight in something that he created apart from simply saying it was good and created 
to his expectations. And the same applies to the legs of a man. God created humanity with tremendous abilities. And one of those abilities is to stand, walk, run, jump, and climb, to balance. This is what our legs do. In the end, God is not delighted in those things because he created them for a specific purpose, which they fulfill. So in essence, they do what they were created to do. No surprise. Verse 11, however, explains to us exactly what the Lord does take pleasure in. Quote, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Now, simply put, God is pleased when a person makes the correct decision to do things the correct way. Remember how often I've talked about fearing the Lord in past articles and episodes? We need to remember to place the word offending after the word fear and before the Lord to get to the gist of what the psalmist is saying. Quote, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear offending him. Unquote. This is not the fear of God pouring out his wrath or anger on us for simply slipping up. It's the idea that our devotion to and love for God is so great that we simply do not want to cause him any grief through our words, thoughts, or actions. A decision to become more afraid of offending the Lord is a decision that needs to be made by each Christian on a daily basis, often throughout the day many times. It is how we negotiate our life here, or how we should negotiate it. Let me give you one example that I'm currently dealing with, which may or may not seem like a big deal to you or others. We live on the country, or in the country, on several acres. There's no one to our right as you look out our front door, just six empty acres. Across the road, the dirt road, is roughly 1,350 acres of pastures and fields, and the owner leases those fields to a local cattle rancher. The only neighbor that we have is on our left, and while they're great people, I sometimes wish their house was a bit further away. I value our property and uh, our privacy and the fact that we do not live in a residential neighborhood where homes are often built right up next to one another. So the six acres to our right that are empty extend to the end of the road where it meets another dirty dirt road. We learned a long while ago who owned the acreage and we attempted to buy the two acres closest to us as kind of a buffer. The owner wouldn't sell. And she told our realtor that she had plans for it to build a home and live there with her 25 dogs. Well, in just the past two weeks, I noticed activity happening on that six acre parcel. First, the tax people came to assess the value of the land for the potential building of a new home. Next, surveyors spent one day making uh, rounds of the place and marking all the boundary lines and the corners. I then went to the tax office to find out if any permits had been pulled to build and so far, nothing. So other people, as I mentioned, might not have a problem with this. But for me, the thought of living next door to someone with 25 dogs is not inviting. I have prayed about it and I continue to pray about it, but I've really not understood how to pray. I just want to ask, Lord, don't let her move in here. And then the thought came to me that I was not fearing the Lord enough by asking strictly for his will. I wasn't trusting him. I was elevating myself and denigrating him. And the issue of not wanting to offend the Lord has now become part of the equation. So I'm approaching things in a completely different way. I've begun to simply thank him for what may be coming into our relative peace and quiet. 
We've had six years of it, so maybe that's going to change. I truly do not know how things will work out, but I do know this. God wants the best for me. He will not give me more than I can handle and certainly wants me to grow and spiritually mature in him. Now, his will may be different from mine, but the end result is what is best for me. I cannot do what I'm doing if I am not concerned about offending him. If I callously and carelessly go through life without any concern of offending him, I'm not going to grow. And I will actually drift away from him by pushing myself to be first. I won't be in the center of his will. I won't benefit from my relationship with him. Things will be shut down. So if on the other hand, I'm concerned about not wanting to offend him, then I will grow. He will be able to change me from within and guide me into righteousness so that what I do is found to be pleasing to him. So if I continue to give this situation over to him for him to do as he wishes, then I will automatically be successfully fearing to offend him. And I will be able to prosper in ways that I cannot clearly see now. And this, I believe, is why God delights and take pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. And just a side note on the word hope. This is not the, gosh, I hope I go to heaven. It may or may not happen. This is a surety. But our English translation of scripture does not do justice to the word hope that really is used in scripture. But this is a choice we make. We either approach every situation with the desire to not offend him, or we push through each situation with a healthy fear of offending him as our guide. This choice is not a pre-programmed choice, like using our legs to walk. It is something we must decide to do to accomplish daily. Unlike the use of our legs where we don't even have to think about them really because they simply do what they're designed to do, we must use our will to, quote, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, unquote, Philippians 2.12. And we must deliberately choose to fear offending God. We don't want to give him grief. We don't want to make problems. How often this happens is all dependent upon the trials, problems, and issues the Lord allows into our lives and our willingness to submit to him. Without a healthy and growing fear of offending the Lord, we can't grow. We can't appreciate him, and we lack victory in our lives. This is, of course, my opinion, and in my opinion, this is the most difficult aspect of what it means to actually be or live as a Christian. If I've gotten it wrong, someone please tell me. But thank you so much for joining me today, and until we meet again, I pray that the Lord will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 